You're listening to this Sunday's sermon from Hope Church RVA. To find out more about Hope, plan your next visit, or support the work we're doing in Richmond and beyond, visit HopeChurchRVA.com. Well, good morning again, everybody. As Kyle said, my name is Pete, and I'm one of the pastors here. And if you're new with us or watching online, we welcome you. Um, I'm just aware that we still live in a culture that sometimes feels a little heavy. Uh, I remember years ago when I was uh, at birthing classes with my wife, uh, the coach said, lower your shoulders. And I didn't realize that half the time I'm like all tensed up. So uh, take a big breath this morning. Lower the shoulders. Uh, You're not here by accident. You're here for a reason. Uh, The Lord may have something for you this morning. I believe in that. And I uh, pray that he might speak to you. Between services, uh, I got a text from Wes Peterson, our executive pastor. And uh, we tend to text each other on the team, uh, the worship leaders, some folks back in the booth. And uh, he sent a little verse that said, no one is holy like our Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. And so whatever your circumstances this morning as you come in here, um, there is a rock that we can stand on. You may even feel like you're in the pit, but as Psalm 40 says, uh, you heard my cry and you lifted me out of the pit. So wherever you're coming from this morning, I pray that God would put you on some firmer ground and that he might speak to your heart. I uh, also want you to know that it is October 31st. Uh, some of you are probably thinking, oh man, it's going to be crazy tonight for those of you that celebrate that or uh, give out candy in your home. But it's also, it's very meaningful to me to just share with you that it's the last uh, day of Pastor's Appreciation Month. <laughs> and, um, you know, I think I've received a card or two. Uh, it's, a, it's a fairly large community here, so just, um, I could just use your prayers. Uh, if that's all you want to do. So <laughs> feels appropriate after sharing it that to say I need forgiveness. <laughs> I leave my clothes on the floor. I'm insensitive to my wife at times, and I hurt others with my careless words. You know, a sarcastic person, I tend to be a little bit sarcastic. That can be cutting. One of the first uh Words that I learned in seminary in the Greek is sarke, which means flesh. And the ASM on the end of it means to cut. So sarcasm actually means to cut the flesh. So sometimes I'll use words and uh, I think it's kind of funny, but actually it may hurt somebody. So I need forgiveness. A long time ago when I was in college, we had these meal tickets that you would, they didn't have the cards like they do now. So I had these meal tickets and uh, there were a couple of freshman girls that weren't using all of theirs. And I said, well, can I have yours? and then I'll pay you back. And I never did. (laughs) I mean, seriously, a few years ago, I mean, I was really convicted by that, and I thought, maybe I can find them somewhere. That'd be a little creepy. But (laughs) have you ever carried something like that from your past? That's a pretty maybe lighthearted example, but sometimes there's heavier stuff like, I'm still carrying this thing, where you need forgiveness. I need forgiveness. I leave the toilet seat up. I forget to take the trash out. And sometimes my thoughts are less than pure. I need forgiveness. I compare myself to others. And pride has too big a place in my heart. I think my truck is better than yours. 
My red socks are better than both the Braves and the Astros. They were lucky to get in. And said with humility, frankly, I think I'm better looking than most men my age. I need forgiveness. I've never murdered anybody, the greatest of all sins, you would think. But I've voted hurtful, unkind people off the island and into the mouth of not Jonah the whale, but maybe a great white would help them understand how much they might have hurt me. If holiness or perfection in God's eyes is on this side of the podium, if holiness or perfection is here, I'm on this side, in line. I'm in line probably way behind some great saints that I admire, like Tim Keller or Eugene Peterson who wrote the Bible, The Message, or Martin Luther King, or Andy Stanley, or my wife, or Billy Graham, or maybe many of you. I'm in this line somewhere, but I'm not on this side. In fact, I'm way in the back, just slightly ahead of David Dwight. <laughs> He's out of town. <laughs> That's why I'm preaching. Oh, I cracked myself up. Okay. <laughs> I was thinking about this as I was preparing this message this week. Not that I'm ahead of David Dwight, something else. What would happen to the human race if there was no forgiveness? Think about that just for a minute. That thought was laid on my heart that we just carried and carried and carried weight of anger or hurt against others or hurt against us. And what if forgiveness only existed for those who felt like forgiving based on their own whim or feeling that day? The gravity of our sin is so great, but our God is greater still. So I'm going to read three passages this morning. Two are from the beginning of what some people call the Roman road. But all three of these passages lead to the cross. And so we're going to start with Romans 3. And it says this. I'll give you a little context as uh, I'm reading here. Starting with verse 21. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. In this word, in the Bible, there is law. There is civil law. There's moral law. But for the sake of this morning, think about the law as what the Jews would want to follow, which is the Ten Commandments. But then it says, a righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. It was all pointing, this whole word is pointing to a righteousness that we can't get on our own, but through somebody, and it speaks of this somebody from the very beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation. Every story in the Bible whispers the name of Jesus. And it goes on and says, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace. 
through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. And then in Romans 5, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How did that happen? 2 Corinthians 5. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I want to take just a moment to pray. Father, um, may these words uh, be from you and not from me. Lord, uh, would your people and those who are seeking after you uh, hear what you would have to say to them this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know if you've ever thought about it this way, but sometimes you'll uh, read a commentary or some sort of uh, little word in the margin of your Bible if you have a study Bible. And I read one this week, and it struck me, and I, I don't think about it this way very often. Why do you think Romans 3, Romans 5, and 2 Corinthians 5 are in the Bible? Why are they there, inspired by the Holy Spirit to be written by Paul? Why would these particularly powerful verses be in the Bible? I think they are needed to blow away our assumptions that God is disappointed in us. Jesus didn't die for us when we became strong. Jesus didn't give his life for us after we had overcome our addictions. Jesus didn't call us friend or save us because we first said, you're my friend. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The basis of our forgiveness And this is where we're going to begin this morning in this series on forgiveness. The basis of it, the foundation of it, the rock of it, the stronghold of it is the death of Jesus Christ on the cross to restore us into a relationship with the one who created us and with each other. You know, I didn't say this in the first service. There's only so much time you can take. Um, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I think when we read that, we think, oh, I'm fallen, I've definitely fallen short of that glory. But Psalm 8 says, what is mankind that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. What is mankind that you are mindful of us? In the original intention of God, Garden of Eden, if you will, we were crowned with the glory of God. And 
God wants to restore us to that. So many of us live in the shadows, but there is a light that you are meant to have. And we fall short of that glory when we try to find forgiveness or try to find God on our own works righteousness. So we're going to take a brief walk on the Roman road this morning to understand the basis of our forgiveness, where we can have hope in this age of despair. Maybe said another way, where we can have hope no matter what's going on in our life in times of fear. So I want to look again at Romans 3, but I just want to look at a couple of the verses, 22 through 24. And this is what it says. This righteousness, right way of living, this, if you will, um, closeness to God, is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Do you believe it? There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The Jews were God's chosen people. Paul is writing to the Gentiles, to the Roman people. And the Jews were like, yeah, but we're in. (laughs) And Paul says, there is no difference between the Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And all of us are justified freely by his grace, not by our work, through the redemption that came through Jesus Christ. So the basis of our forgiveness And I think this is familiar to many of us. Maybe if you're new to God's word or the Bible, it's different for you. But the basis that I know for my forgiveness is not my work. Is not me getting up one morning and thinking, I feel really good about God today. The basis of my forgiveness is not my nationality or that I'm an American Christian or that I'm a Jew or that I'm a Gentile. The basis of my forgiveness is faith in Jesus Christ. Alone. Nothing else. Our staff heard a podcast several, um, about a month ago. And I was struck by this. The thing that will throw a person of faith into a pit, if you're standing right on the edge of the pit, a thing that will... that the two hands that will push them into the pit is insecurity in your identity and your comparison with others. Are you in Christ? Would you believe that you can be in Christ or not? So no matter what's going on around you, my security, my forgiveness, the basis of everything that I am is found in the work of Jesus Christ. This is a message that is fresh to us every day. His mercies are new every morning. So this is what is clear in the Bible. The only thing we have to do to be in a relationship with a holy and perfect God is get perfect. Who's with me? (laughs) The problem with perfection, if this is holiness and perfection, is we're all over here on this side of the line. Every one of us. (laughs) 
Are you a little after me or before me? Where are you in that line? Is your godly grandpa ahead of you? And your unfair manager at work, he's way behind. It doesn't matter. (laughs) The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Jesus Christ is the great equalizer. You don't need a preacher to tell you that. You don't need a preacher to tell you that all has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's no news. In fact, look at the news on the internet. Or if you're old school, read the newspaper. No one needs to tell you that we are a broken humanity. Or be in someone's home when they're trying to send a teenager off to school in the morning. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I used to drive my kids to school and try to say something inspiring to them because, you know, they're like, uh. So I drive them short way to school and I drop mom. I say, hey, Chris, shoot for the moon. And if you miss, you'll be among the stars, son. He didn't think that was funny. He might respond with some version of, hey, dad, get lost. But that's the life of a teenager somewhere in the line way behind me. All of us ascend and fallen short of the glory of God. It doesn't matter if you're in the front of the line or in the middle of the line or in the back of the line. All of us are justified freely by grace through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Key phrase, through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. So that means to me that forgiveness costs something. It costs something to God. And you know this, just living life. Forgiveness always costs something, doesn't it? Forgiveness at its core is canceling a debt. When you cancel the debt of somebody, it costs you something. Andy Stanley says if you're angry at someone, it's because they've taken something from you. So when you cancel that debt, it costs you something emotionally. Maybe a person took their first, your first marriage from you. Wow. Maybe they took the opportunity for you to tuck in your kids at night. Maybe someone's taken your reputation. It's not fair. Maybe they took your promotion or your good standing in the others, in others' eyes away from you. Can't believe they said that about me. That's untrue. To you, for you to forgive, that costs you something. And we're going to talk about that in the weeks ahead. But the basis of the ability for us to forgive is on Jesus Christ alone. For while we were all still sinners, Christ forgave us. That's how he demonstrated his love for us. Love is a sacrifice. You know that. Forgiveness always costs something. And the greatest cost was paid by our Savior, our great Savior, Jesus Christ. So Andy Stanley goes on to say, in the shadow of my hurt, forgiveness feels like a decision to reward my enemy. Think about that. But in the shadow of the cross, forgiveness is merely a gift from one undeserving soul to another. We're all on this side of the line. Or should I say, 
Forgiveness is merely a gift of somebody else standing in line with me. I said at the end of the first service in the benediction, you know, I'm just one beggar showing another beggar where to get the bread. This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The basis of our forgiveness is the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for us. It's why in the shadow of the cross, we can find the strength to forgive others. Fleming Rutledge in her book, Three Hours, described what Jesus did for us in this way. It's a great little book. It's a, it's a group of sermons that she preached for three hours on a good Friday because they believe, the scripture tells us, that Christ hung on a cross for three hours. This is what he did for us in pain naked and in agony three hours and this is what she says on that good friday outside the city walls of jerusalem the bell tolled for the son of god such was his involvement for you and me not only did he consciously and deliberately steer towards the pain he entered into it all the way to the bottom of despair What he endured that day was an abandonment so great that for the first time in his human life, and even more crucially, friends, for the first time in his divine life, with the Father, he apparently felt himself cut off. Forgiveness always costs something. And Jesus was cut off from his Father's presence so that we could be grafted in to the tree of life. There is no work that can get us from this side to this side except the perfect work of Jesus Christ. So that in our sin, when we confess our sin, when we believe that Jesus Christ has given his life for us, what God the Father sees to his great delight is the Son of Jesus Christ. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. It's said in a benediction. This is why the Bible says it's by grace we're saved and not by works. And this is a remarkable thing. In in Romans 5, Romans 5 goes on to say, and where our sin increases, now we're in trouble. God's grace increases all the more. I've been known to say, and I love to say it, where our sin is walking, we're getting lapped by grace. His grace is running. Where our sin increases, his grace increases all the more. Why is Romans 3, Romans 5, and 2 Corinthians 5 in the Bible to prove to us that we cannot sin ourselves out of God's unfailing love? Now, if you're church world person, a person who has followed Christ, a person who believes this, if you're sitting here this morning or you're online out there, or you're somewhere in the line, you might believe that God loves you. You understand this message, and hopefully it is fresh and new and a light for those, because every morning we need to hear this kind of message. 
But what about tomorrow morning? What about later this week with the unfair boss? Whatever it would be. What about despite our smiles because of our own difficulty in some life situation, we're wondering where God is. What if despite our smiles, we're running from God as fast as we can? And we're building our own kingdom now. And we're loving what God may be doing in us, but we're really doing the work. Gentle and lonely author Dane Ortland puts it this way. Fallen, anxious sinners are limitless in their capacity to perceive reasons for Jesus to cast them out. We are factories of fresh resistance to Christ's love. Even when we run out of tangible reasons to be cast out, such as specific sins or failures, we tend to retain a vague sense that given enough time, Jesus will finally grow tired of us and hold us at arm's length. Now, I want to assure you that Dane Ortland did not interview me for that quote. But it's a way that we can feel. And I'm so grateful God's unfailing love for me does not depend on me not failing. I never will forget the time that I had a rough week at work. This is several years ago. And I got through the weekend and I thought I got to do better this week Uh, and then a Monday morning there were like five voicemails on my phone when I got up and had my phone and I already felt like uh oh (laughs) what needs are there going to be what disappointed people might be on the other end because I didn't call them back or whatever happened and I had five voice messages getting emotional for a second because somebody recently sent me a voice message that was just so encouraging to me. And I was expecting voices of condemnation. Hey, or could you? But all the messages were encouraging words from friends. And I think God used that. See, I was groveling and crawling on that Monday morning like a prodigal son, trying to get back to God. But in defiance of what I felt I deserved, God had left the front porch of his heavenly home and came running to me with grace. And he didn't come alone. He brought a robe for me, and he put it on me, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And this is what God wants to do for us. Ortland says it's the most counterintuitive aspect of Christianity that we are declared right with God, not when we get our act together, but when we collapse into the honest acknowledgement that we never will. So there is a safe place today to take what's shameful to you, what's painful to you, and leave it there at the foot of the cross. Uh, I brought my journal this morning, and I'm holding it closely. 
It's the first thing I take back to my office between sermons. I hold it closely because um, you wouldn't want to read this. It has as many prayers, probably more prayers of confession and falling short and failings as it does words of praise for God's grace and thanksgiving. But every day, I know there's a safe place to take these honest prayers and put them at the foot of the cross. And lead them in God's merciful hand. Do you remember or have you heard the story of one of the last acts of Jesus on the cross during that three hours? Do you remember who was hanging near him? Two criminals that he had not walked through this life with. In other words, he's God. He knew, but didn't know in a human sense. And he was hanging next to a criminal who probably spent his whole life running from God and enjoying the world's deceptive pleasures. A criminal who at the last minute before taking his last breath, reached out to Jesus. And do you remember the words of Jesus? Today. Friends, you will be with me in paradise. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. We need forgiveness. There's a safe place to take what's shameful to you, what's painful to you, and to leave it at the cross. And it doesn't matter where you are in the line. You may be here for the first time this morning. You may be on a journey of faith, but just have too much pain in your life or too many exceptions intellectually to uh, this work of Christ on the cross that you're still kind of in that search place. It doesn't matter where you are in the line. You can take your sins. The basis of our forgiveness is this. And you can leave them right there. And maybe that's your first step. Because guess what, friends? God's unfailing love for you will never grow cold. God made him who had no sin to be sin for you and me. That we would become the righteousness of God. Pray with me. Father, some of us have some sense of what it is to be cut off from a person. To feel like we've been cut off from those we love. But you, Father, hung on a cross for three hours and felt cut off from your Father in pain and agony, looking for some soothing word or some relief. But you did that for us. And now, Lord, the Bible says, for the joy set before you. <laughs> and, Lord, it's amazing to think 
that for us to come in into your presence and into a relationship with you is your greatest joy. And so we pray for those this morning, Lord, that have not taken that step. We pray, Father, that they may, on the basis of your work on the cross, know that they are forgiven and begin this journey this morning. And for those who have been far away like the prodigal, Lord, that today would be another day of your mercy and they could leave whatever is shameful to them and put it at the foot of the cross. And Lord, we want to live in your power and we want to live in your glory and we want to live in your confidence, Lord. We are tired of our doubt, of our insecurities. So Lord, we fall into the arms of your unfailing love. Receive us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.